0: My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard
1: Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury.
2: to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. We're so glad to have you here with us once again. This week on the show, I am joined by singer-songwriter Ty Segal, who joins me to discuss his fantastic and very proggy new album, Three Bells. But before we hear from Ty, I'm joined by one of my favorite Aquarium Drunkard contributors, somebody who I always look forward to her interviews. I'm talking about Jennifer Kelly. How are you?
1: I'm great. Hi, Jason.
2: I rang you up to say, hey, I've been listening to this new Thai record a whole bunch, and you are a great critic, uh, a great interviewer, and a very thoughtful writer. So I was like, how about I I see if uh, Jennifer wants to join me to chat a little bit about this. But what have you been thinking about the new new Thai Seagal record? He's somebody who, he puts out so much music that I feel like people, oftentimes, they can't keep up with his output. Uh, and I even find myself falling into that category sometimes where I'll realize, oh, he's put out like four records since I last checked in. I need to listen to them all.
1: It's, it's the guided by voices problem.
2: <laughs> he's maybe slightly more judicious than uh, Pollard in terms of his of his output, but not much. Um, I like that, though. I like when artists are pretty relentless in their creativity. What um, when did you first get into Ty? When did you first hear him?
1: Um, I first got. I got his first self-titled. He's got two self-titled records, but I got the first one when it came out, I guess in 2008 or 2009. Um, and the reason I was interested was because it was from John Dwyer, it was from Castleface, which was a relatively new label at that point. And I loved the Coach Whips, and I just had a lot of respect for his taste in music. Um, And I put it on and it was just so raw and so blistery. And, you know, this was at the point where he was all by himself and he was recording with a tambourine around his neck and his foot on a kick drum and guitar on his lap. And it was just it was just great. And that's still one of my favorite Ty Siegel albums. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's somebody who, as we mentioned, he puts a lot of stuff out. And sometimes it can sound very different from release to release, which is something that he shares probably in common with John Dwyer uh, in terms of not being stuck or pegged to just one sound. I feel like Ty is all over the map stylistically. I think about that. Did you ever listen to the White Fence, the first White Fence collaboration that he did? I love that one.
1: I I like that a lot. I did not love the second one, but the first one is one of my favorite things from either that's, of them. That's
2: that's a perfect example of you know those songs are so sweet and tuneful. You know you're like is this the same guy who is in fuzz? You know which I really like those fuzz records, but they're heavy as hell. Um, but that being said, I wonder if if you have any thoughts on what ties ties discography together do you feel like there are any common threads that run through his his music that stick out to you
1: yeah well i i do think it's it's all very guitar centric even the ones i mean he did an album without guitars but it sounded like a guitar album because he was playing other stringed instruments through amplifiers you know in a very rock way um but i do think there's this sort of layer to it there's this sort of bassy, distorted churning under under layer, and then this almost falsetto playful kind of psychedelic um, top top layer. You know his singing and some of the guitar. So it's it's sort of instantly re- recognizable when you hear it, no matter what he's doing. You're like, oh, that's High Siegel. And now I'm starting to hear other bands that are doing similar things. A lot of them from California. Uh, so I think he's had and had an influence on. The next, you know, the next generation of of garage rockers and psychedelic rockers.
2: He definitely has. I feel like one of the and this is something that he and I get into in this conversation is that he's always been pretty um, upfront about his influences. He's not afraid to be influenced, which is really cool. Um, You know, we talked specifically about T-Rex and how, As people will hear in this, he wonders, should I have put out that collection of T-Rex covers? Because now every critic just mentions T-Rex in every review. And I think he was a little bit like, come on, I'm into other stuff too. But I think you're exactly right in that he has become very influential as well. And for... You know, young garage rockers. He's one of the standard bearers, I think, which is a really cool thing to see him reach that point and to have a record that I think this record's pretty mature sounding. You know, yeah,
1: it it definitely is more polished than some of them. Um, and I, the last one he did, "Hello High," was um, quite acoustic and soft. And this is sort of like it's sort of one level up from that. It's not one of the super loud, super rock, super in your face records but it's it's definitely a little thicker than than the previous one.
2: Yeah. Well, so before we let you go and get into the interview, I do want to tell folks that they should absolutely check out especially the John DeWire interview that you did in was that was 23, right? 2023?
1: Yeah, he was so much fun. That was one of my favorite interviews ever.
2: I couldn't believe how much you got out of. I mean, I knew like, you know, he's he's not a uh A shy individual, but boy, that one really, really covered a lot of of ground. And you've got a bunch of stuff up at Aquarium Drunkard uh, right now, so folks should go check it out. But Jen, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us ahead of our conversation with Ty. If you want to support the work that we're doing here on Transmissions, the work that uh, Jennifer brings to Aquarium Drunkard, the best way to do it is to go check out our Patreon page. Uh, That's how we pay contributors. That's how we support the site. So if you dig transmissions and you dig Aquarium Drunkard, that's the way to do it. Jennifer, we'll have to have you come back and talk about some more tunes. Like I said, it's always a blast to get the opportunity. Thank you so much for doing it.
1: I'd love that. Thanks for asking me.
2: All right. Here's my interview with Ty Segal. I'll speak with you a little bit more on the other side. You are tuned in to Aquarium Drunkard transmissions. Ty, thanks so much for hanging out with us on transmissions. What's uh what's going on? How are you today?
0: Thank you for having me. I'm good. Um yeah, I'm just uh, hanging in the studio, my cold studio, um, turning on some gear to heat up the place for a minute. So <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: This is a studio that you have there at your place in Topanga.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh down below the house. Um yeah it it's amazing it's 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 very uh chilly in the winter and very hot in the summer so it's good it's, you you really feel the seasons <laughs> you
1: know that
2: that's the exact right um y- you know they say opposition is friendship, I think William Blake says, so you need something to challenge you uh coming up with music would just be too easy without that sort of impediment. you know what I mean
0: oh yeah of course, <laughs> always. <laughs>
2: Did you record most of the 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 new record there? three bells? was that recorded at your home place?
0: yeah the the whole thing was um kind of over you know what was it like a year and a half? so like many different sessions, some of those were demos originally that ended up being the the finished versions, and then I did two massive sessions with Cooper, and then him and I kind of finished. The record took together, so kind of a whole, long, varied thing. Yeah, but but all done here.
2: And you've done you did the the last record mostly there too, or at least parts of it.
0: I've done the last three records here. Yeah, um, yeah. So that actually it's kind of a backwards timeline where this record Harmonizer I recorded after my last record Hello High. Yeah, but they were flipped in their release
1: schedule.
0: So it's almost yeah, it's funny. Um, I but I had written Harmonizer way before Hello High, and that was kind of on the books and being planned. So
2: yeah, you know. Well, this new one is really great, and I feel like you know my favorite records of yours often. Are the ones that sort of blend a couple different sides of you, you know? And I feel like with this one, there's like the really heavy, fuzzed out side is rep- well represented, but so is the more singer songwriter side a little bit. And beside all that, it kind of feels proggy to me uh like cool. like king crimson sometimes i don't know if that's an actual you know reference point for you or not are you somebody who 100
0: percent, yeah i, I yeah. love king crimson i love prog specifically for like aesthetic stuff like to get just to the nuts and bolts of like the aesthetic of a few of the songs yeah Do you know that king crimson record lizard
2: yeah yeah
0: so i really really got into the like super roomy electric leads in the background where there was like the shredding acoustic kind of in the foreground and i think that was very specific to that king crimson record and and but there's lots of other records that are like that what whether it's like amandul 2 or you know right a lot, of, a lot of the kraut rock stuff um where there's a lot of like the acoustics up front, and then the electric's kind of the the the, um, the cherry on top in the arrangement kind of a thing, and I really got into that
2: yeah this, that's that's a great way to put it I, th- recently, I listened to Yeti by Amandulol too recently and i i i've always liked that record, but i hadn't revisited it in a while, and I found myself forgetting that there are like folky elements on it. You know what I mean? Like there are sort of like the sort of strummy cult folk thing is definitely part of it while still obviously the heavy rock element is introduced as well. So I, I mean the record feels great. I mean, it's also a really funky record I feel like, um, and then stuff, I mean the song to you almost feels like loungy, you know what I mean? So I love the range (laughs) on it. It's great. It's so
0: good. Well, thanks, thank you so much I mean yeah we yeah it's it i i I wanted to just push you know all the kind of styles I like doing further out was like the goal was the mantra for the yeah for the record so that's great Th- thank you
2: I know that you're somebody where you're often working with something that's like a prompt or something a sort of Parameter or idea that helps to sort of direct the record, um, whether harmonizer where you're leaning really heavily on that specific effect, or records where you just haven't had a guitar at all. You know, I, I, I was there a, a a sort of loose concept for this one beyond that. Take it further out zone, uh, or or what was the what? Or are you still? Do you still find that that's a helpful? to get started with the record a sort of restriction or framework that you put around it
0: i definitely think that that's a really good way to start a record or even if it is the kind of thesis statement of the record you know i'm all about that and i think i will continue to do that i think this one was a little bit more kind of um abstract in 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 the in like a specific kind of aesthetic or musical kind of restriction or or idea but sure it it was it did come from the acoustic guitar which i kind of took working on hello High, i wrote songs on the acoustic guitar for the first time in a few years and then i just kept going and i think this is my kind of quote unquote like full rock band, uh, version of the acoustic songwriting where I'm at right now. So I don't know what that means necessarily, but it is kind of like where my mind has been at for what a full kind of quote unquote rock record with acoustic, where the acoustic guitar is the foundational songwriting tool, I guess is. Yeah what it is and then everything else is kind of you know the same stuff i like to to always do which is like groove based rhythm based stuff needs to be super groovy and interesting and 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 um you know arrangements and all that stuff but definitely the acoustic guitar was the the thing that kept you know um kept the whole all all the songs in the same world and um specifically was this thing i was doing um that i hadn't really done before which is i would do a lot of like a chord voicing and then instead of doing like a different chord voicing for a chord change let's say from an a to a d you would change the chord voicing with your hand i would just move the same the a voicing up to where most of the notes for the d chord would be but then there would be the a drone going and i and then i'd go up to the next part and leave that chord voicing so a lot of it was i think maybe a third of the songs have that kind of tension chord or drone on the acoustic which does do something different that I haven't done before um, if we're speaking in technical terms
2: <laughs> yeah, no that's cool and I, and I know what you mean in turn I mean that uh, having that drone going does add this sort of element of percussive uh, uh, it helps add in the the percussive element you know what I mean like the acoustic guitar it's interesting the way you do treat it on the record' it's, all, it's very apparent you know but you're not like presenting the always the typical, shiny, clean-sounding acoustic. You know what I mean? It's like there's a lot of variation in the tone of just the way the, the guitars are recorded. Acoustic guitars are tough to record, but this record, they sound great. Well, thank you. <laughs> you but something I noted in, in, in the, the information that came with the record is that you also talked about sort of using... Obviously, you're playing drums on this record, too, and you talked about the importance of groove and interesting rhythms you up but you talked about specifically songwriting on the drums and i wonder right. how that how that works for you and as somebody who's played drums for a really long time has it always been uh, is that always a method that you can use you know what i mean
0: oh yeah i mean the tunes were pretty much written exclusively on the acoustic guitar or there would be a beat that was kind of like i always think of it and it's a funny way to think of this but um the drums as a, as a voice, almost like a human voice where I, I, I hear like a vocal melody or a kind of a, a hum or a sing-along kind of a thing with the beats. Um, and if, because I do, I kind of hear rhythms in that way, it's very musical um, and less like robotic or like drum machine
1: uh,
0: sure. rhythm style so that is really cool because then you can kind of come up with a different swing or even different different um beats if you if you kind of sing sing along to what you're playing so that's kind of how i come up with drum beats is i'm it's more almost like singing them yeah and then i kind of work around that which is which is cool because um You know, rhythm is such a powerful thing and, and, you know, it's so fundamental to my music that I, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's kind of, it is like one of the most important things. So I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to use it as a songwriting tool. It's kind of essential.
2: Yeah. And it's funny how in great songs, that's often the way it's thought of, but when you hear it phrased that way, it seems more exotic to people. You know what I mean? Like in terms of a songwriting tool, because they're, but I mean, there's, you're talking about the melodic content that can also reveal itself. So it works kind of in tandem. I think that's really, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. I I did this one record once, uh, manipulator and the engineer, um, Chris Woodhouse, he would tune all the drums in to the key of the song. Sure. So, you know, you can go really deep with yeah. it. So it would be like yeah. the toms and the snare would be an A chord, right? And then the next song, he would tune them down to a D chord, and it was yeah. totally mind blowing. I've never seen anyone do that before, and it's a lot of work. Um, right,
2: right, right. Yeah, it, it's certainly like a, it requires intentionality. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, but it it it's you know it it it's kind of this subversive melodic thing that yeah. you don't think about with with drums being in an actual pitch right but it's cool you know
2: i really liked the video for eggman uh that song came out well ahead of the album and it's a, it's a really good jam but the video it's just you eating hard boiled eggs cool hand luke style and <laughs> i think you eat like 10 in a row and then sort of try to eat some more at the very end and then yeah. it gets really gross right at the very end of it. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I'm cu- <laughs> I'm curious how you felt about eggs after that shoot concluded.
0: You know what's wild is I I had an egg salad sandwich the next day.
2: Really? It was
0: yeah. it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. You know, I definitely <laughs> gagged a lot and almost puked, but you know what's wild is I didn't I didn't throw up, which I was really Hoping I would, but um, everything was cool. Um, I was di- I was disappointed. I really wanted I really wanted to eat like twenty eggs,
1: but, right? Um, I, I failed.
2: Mean, <laughs> well, I think you failed, but watching you do that, we all won. So that's all <laughs> that matters. Um, no, I do think it's interesting though, <laughs> eggs and watching somebody eat eggs, like. There is the lyric where you, I think you say, I think you say, mouth caked with eggs in in the the lyric, and I found myself thinking about how deeply evocative that was, but also how gross and grotesque. It's It's so gross. It's it's such a, but it's like similar to you. I like hard-boiled eggs a lot. Like I could, I don't know if I could eat ten of them. I don't think I could do that in a row, but. Two or three in a sitting, you know, doesn't bother me at all, right? So it's sure. just, it's so funny the way you, your lyrics, and oftentimes we'll sort of do that, you know, um, <laughs> just sort of create this like unsettling <laughs> little like image, you know, or, uh, or in that case, I can almost smell the lyric, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, that song, that's Danae, that, that's all her. She, you, she, you, yeah he wrote those those lyrics yeah
2: and and she directed the video too right
0: yes yes um that's awesome that was her concept um (laughs) because we were like what what's a simple what's something simple she's like you can just eat as many hard-boiled eggs as you want i was like yeah that's (laughs) that's simple and gross and what's wild is we had both never seen cool hand luke before you know, we have didn't. You, uh, wait, have no. you seen it since? No, no, I still still haven't seen it. I people tell me I should watch it, but
2: well, it's a pretty good movie in my opinion. Um, yeah. But but you might be too close now. You might be too close <laughs> to the subject matter, so you might have to stay away from it. But no, I think it. One, it's it is a great video. There's a couple things I love. You 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 play with imagery in very interesting ways, and you know you're describing the video but you, you kind of have like these like <laughs> affectedly rosy cheeks going on in the video uh, mm-hmm. and that is to me very funny <laughs> and interesting <laughs> um and it made me think about the way you'll play <laughs> with childlike imagery uh you know including sporting th- like the baby heads and and and: sure. And I remember getting like upsettingly high once at a show <laughs> uh, in Phoenix, and you were wearing the baby heads, and I was unexp- I wasn't as experienced with cannabis as one could have been <laughs> and uh, it really it really threw me for a loop. It was great. Um, and I'm thinking about that, so you play with imagery like that, but um it is also just like I was struck by the simplicity of the video as well. I like think it's just a single shot, and you're just. Doing it, you know, and you're not doing any direct thing to the song necessarily, but <laughs> it works out great. And I, I thought it was a really fascinating thing. Y- you and Danae have worked a lot together recently, right? I mean, you guys play yeah. together in the CIA. She writes with you uh, and has for a bit. Um, how long have you guys been t- together? And did collaboration come pretty naturally as part of your relationship? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been together for 15 years, which is, you know, a long, a, a long yeah. time. Um, yeah. And yeah, we've, we've always collaborated in various ways, whether she was in my band for a few tours, um, like, I don't know, maybe 2011 or no, 2009 or 10 or something like that. And um, she's always played music. Um and you know i've always respected her songwriting especially her 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 lyrics i love her lyrics um and i don't know one day it was just kind of like hey i I, i'm kind of stuck here can you help me with this lyric are you down to help me with this lyric and then um we kept uh tweaking that song and uh yeah now now it's one of my favorite um, songwriting partnerships, just b- beside, you know, our relationship and our life partnership. It's just a, the, the kind of lyrical and conceptual melding of the minds that we have um, is really unique, I think, and and uh, great. I, so it, it's yeah. cool, because I'm usually more kind of like abstract lyrically, and she can have some really d- direct kind of cool um lyrics and together it come it kind of has this interesting in-between thing
2: i always find partners who collaborate you know artistically so fascinating and and interesting i also think about like you know tom waits and kathleen brennan i think uh, you know his wife who they do specifically lyric lyrical work together Mm -hmm. and so i think that it's really cool that the two of you do that there's a lot of vulnerability to it. You know what I mean? Like to, sh- to even sharing the the creative process. I think, you know, you're somebody who is known for all sorts of of projects. So collaboration, it seems like it comes pretty natural to you, but collaborating with somebody who like really, really, really knows you, you know, that's a different thing, maybe. Uh, not to say that you don't have complex relationships with other musical collaborators, you know what I mean? But specifically sure. lyrically. And I feel like this record, maybe I was just reading it through this lens, but it feels to me like a lot of the songs are focused on sort of home, you know, this sort of idea of home and uh and I don't know if that's something that specifically is is something that you guys talked about or how the concept the conceptual elements, how they work between the two of you in the early yeah. stages, you know,
0: yeah, you know, I think conceptually the the whole kind of idea i i had and then song specific is is when kind of danae and i collaborated on on you know the kind of bullet points of what that song was going to do in relation to the album and kind of in its placement on the album and you know the the theme and stuff but right yeah that's interesting you picked up on the home uh thing because I wouldn't say that's necessarily the the thing, but it it is definitely like songs of oneself and in oneself there is the subject of your home and um, you know those those kind of things and and um, so it is it, it is in that world for sure and these songs are very aligned with what I feel like I've always come back to, which is like the deep dive into oneself kind of song. Um, yeah. You know, so they are of that very, very much so.
2: Do, I mean, are, do you feel comfortable talking about the symbolism of the title or what you're referring to? Or is this a, is that the sort of thing that you like to leave more you know, room I, for interpretation?
0: yeah i do like to leave room for interpretation for it because um at least at this stage you know maybe maybe at a later point you know sure yeah cool to talk about but um it's more you know i still hold on to that kind of fun idea of leaving a bit of mystery in a release or an album just so that people can kind of put their own meaning onto it um and and i just think it's more interesting that way um so to kind of really get to the point and exactly spell it out is um it it, i I don't think it's the time for that specifically but um
2: no i appreciate i appreciate that in a major way because i feel like you know our culture so often we expect art to really spell things out you know and uh and to like make all of its points very clear and maybe sometimes too literal, you know what I mean? So in some ways, I like to think of it as a little bit more vague, you know? And I was listening too, yeah. and there's, there's one point where you, you say, you're obviously singing about these three bells at various points, you reference it. And then at one point, I thought I heard you reference a fourth bell. But then when I actually checked the lyrics, you were saying, false bell so i thought for a second i thought i had a a four bell hypothesis going on but there um... you go
0: see that's (laughs) cool i feel like if the one sheet you know had the whole thesis spelled out you wouldn't have even come to that thought which is it's way cooler that you would you know make different connections that you you know and put your own spin on it i think that's the coolest thing
2: I mean, is that important for you as a listener when it comes to records that you really connect with?
0: I mean, as a kid, before there was, you know, everything all, you know, available to find for like, yeah. What does this song mean or what does this album mean or what is this? What's the story behind this thing? You know, it was a really kind of important I didn't even realize at the time, but a really cool space in my mind to kind of live in with albums and, um, Yeah. you know, with, with songs and artists and, and, and just try to put my own meaning there. And I do think that I, I, I have taken a, some very important, um, kind of meanings of songs that probably aren't even there that I kind of made my own when I was a kid and yeah. um, and I can't even think of any examples right now, but there have been songs where I found out that I've been singing the wrong lyric the whole time or sure. that there's a different meaning and I'm like, oh wow, my entire life I thought it was this thing and now it's not, that's so wild and it's pretty cool.
2: Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with and uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and of course add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that we sometimes... <laughs> It's important to remember that each individual listener actually does experience the record in their own way. You know what I mean? And even though the online and streaming mentalities seem to flatten out that individual experience in some really damaging ways... I still think it's important to remember that every individual listener is hearing the record their own way, you know? And that you as the creator are able to let go of it. I think that maybe that might get to something that I would be really interested to explore with you, which is this notion that, like, you're often considered a very prolific songwriter uh, and a very prolific artist because you put out a few things, sometimes a year, or you're involved in a lot of projects. Uh, But I also wondered if maybe there was also just a part of you that as a younger creator learned the lesson about how to know when a project is is just done and not over fuss it.
0: You know what I mean? Does any of that resonate with you? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I've always been probably to a fault, you know, someone who throws paint at the wall, and sees what sticks and then just, sure. like there, there it is. And now now I'm way more of, you know, you throw the paint at the wall and then you look at it and you go, okay, I'm gonna keep painting for, for a while and pick up some brushes. And, sure. and then we'll see what happens, you know? Um, but yeah, I think when I was a young person, especially I, um, I was very much of like, if it feels good, it's good. If it feels right, yeah then it's then it's cool, don't overthink it, um, and that's definitely changed for me. I think it's cool to push yourself and challenge yourself like beyond whatever that is, um, yeah, you know? and then hopefully, then sometimes you just go full circle and then you're back at that spot, and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's it, that is what it's all about. Does it feel right? um yeah, isn't that funny, <laughs> mm mm-hmm. mhm. T- because, totally
2: because i have to imagine i mean that's the other thing is that you want to i mean you want to make it interesting for you and you want to make it engaging for you as a as a, as a songwriter but of course y- you're also somebody who probably wants to keep pushing the thing too and so it's that tension i don't know of just like pleasing yourself but also sort of like setting this I don't know, just maybe reckoning with your own desire to be ambitious with your creative creativity as well, you know? And to me, it feels like you've always done a really good job, sort of, the, the ego part of it seems maybe a little subdued, you know? But maybe it just looks that way from the outside, who knows?
0: <laughs> that's cool. That Well, that's nice to hear. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, I think that I'm the kind of guy that that wants to push it always and... Funnily enough, I think that sometimes I have to pull it back and be like, no, it is just cool, s- simple.
2: Sure, um, sure, sure. You sure. know,
0: so, but it's, to, to be honest with you, it's an ever-changing thing. That I think that is the constant and, and what make, keeps me satisfied making things is is how constantly I kind of pivot to a different idea or change the whole program. I, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm, I've got this end goal or this grand idea in the distance that I've been like running towards this whole time. It's kind of like, you know, I'm making this turn. I'm going over here. I'm doing that. And who knows, you know, I don't even know what's going on half the time, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's something I thought about. Cause I went back and I looked and we had, sp- Uh, previously chatted a little bit about the fuzz record with your bandmates in that group. And I found myself thinking you're somebody who has all these different projects, fuzz, you know, wasted shirt, gogs, all these different things. Are you somebody who's usually writing for a specific project in mind when, when songs come, or is it more of a situation where they accumulate and then they find natural homes later or does it work both ways you know how 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 does that process kind of break down roughly
0: for the most part when it's like a band you know we're we're all in a room and we're doing the thing together you know like Gogs. you know i i had some riffs but they weren't anything more than that and sure even like the second gogs record is all written with everybody in a room Um, And I I think that is so important and great about bands, you know, I think that's like one of the fundamentals of a band is being in a room and jamming, you know, and like to get back on the collaboration thing like that, there is a magic that cannot be replicated alone. It is just impossible when you're with, with, you know, two, three, four other people in a room, you just... It's a very unique thing that just is, you know? You're going to make something unique to that group of people and that experience. And that's really, really, I think it's really special, really cool. And I need that in my life. Sure, Um, I can't be writing by myself um, always. That makes it not good. To write alone, <laughs> you, yeah, you know, yeah. you need you need that other side of the experience. Um, um, but but yeah, I, so it's all usually for the project I'm working on, usually with the people that are in the project. Very rarely do I bring a song to a project that I already have, but it definitely has happened a couple times.
2: Looking at the credits list, I mean, names like Emmett, you know, Michael, Charles, these, these guys have been playing with you for a really long time. Uh, as a collaborator and as somebody who has maintained these fruitful relationships and collaborations over many years, what do you find is the, the key to keeping, keeping tight with folks and keeping the
0: work coming? Well, you know, like, my band, I I take pride in that I want everyone to be themselves musically in yeah. my band. It's not the kind of band where they learn the record and it has to be exactly um, how the record was recorded. I don't think that's even fun for, sure. for anyone, the audience included. I think it's far more interesting to know that it's going to be different um familiar maybe for sure but different um and to me it's almost like my songs have a um a life on the record and a life outside the record um so i'm all about that with with my collaborative relationships is that every you know I want everyone to bring what they bring to the table. That's like the whole point of all of us getting together, right? Um, you know, and I, I hope that people who work with me feel the same way. You know, so I don't know, but but everybody in my band. I mean, I've been playing with them for so long. It's it. You know, we're like a family, and you know, we just know everybody's next move almost while we're playing. Right. And so it's like a a total hive mind thing.
2: Yeah, that's a really cool thing and I'm it's it's cool to see it kind of continue on while still being able to be kind of twisted in the new shapes and different permutations. You know what I mean? To me that's really that's really cool.
0: That's yeah, that's cool. I
2: really liked that speaking of collaborations a, a few years back, uh I guess it was probably a semi pandemic project, but that that blind date party thing with bill callahan and bonnie prince billy that obviously cooper cooper crane was super involved in that but uh i really liked that collection of covers but i especially liked that lonnie fearson uh cover that you guys did miracles um i think it's my favorite song from that collection actually cool
0: Uh, awesome I'm a big
2: Sly Stone fan, and there's a very Sly oh, yeah. vibe happening on that oh, one. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. We got so, the same drum drum machine going.
2: Yeah, is it? I figured that that could that could be the case. So, did you and Cooper do the music for that together? I
0: I did kind of. I'd say I did like seventy-five percent of it, eighty percent, and then Cooper got um, some horns on it and kind yeah. of did did some some little kind of flourishes um and yeah no that was super fun and yeah i kind of yeah i very much was like well i guess we got the there's a riot going on drum machine um on this on this song so that rules yeah
2: (laughs) it's so it's so cool and i i always find i especially like those drum machine demos that that he did uh light in the attic put out a comp of those uh at one point really really cool and I don't know. I just, yeah, I loved, I loved the feel of that. And that, that Lonnie Pearson song is a particularly cool song. Um, And it made me, it made me want to hear you maybe do more gospel someday. I don't know if that's, uh if that's, that's in the cool. cards or not. I don't know if that's in the cards. I was kind Interesting. of, cru- I was thinking about that song and thinking, you know, about the sort of the metaphysics of the new record. And I found myself wondering, you know, has Ty ever talked much about his worldview or spiritual worldview and i like kind of searched around and hmm. some people on reddit are uh, there's at least one guy is convinced that you're a satanist so i don't know if you <laughs> want to if you want to address those uh i think that that just might be a byproduct of metal aesthetics you know what i mean <laughs> but then that's, again i don't know you'll have you have to go. you'll have to you'll have to, sh- you'll have to uh, th- that's another thing that's you talked about the mystery of music right and when we think about so many cool bands from that era, Black Sabbath, or I like Blue Oyster Cult a lot,
0: and, you know, all yeah, those different- hell yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. They, not everybody's into Blue Oyster Cult, and I get oh, that. Oh man, but
0: those those first like three or four records are so good, I think.
2: They're so good, and what's his name? Buck Dharma, some of the funniest like stage get-ups, I don't know if you've ever seen, a lot of chest, a lot of chest out, okay. uh, and jumpsuits. Awesome, suits. awesome leather jumpsuits, which I think is another thing you should consider for your, uh, maybe for the tour. Sure. Uh, Okay. But so many of those bands would, they would play around with like weird imagery, right? And then they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell you, no, don't worry. We're not Satanists. It's more fun. Maybe if you imagine that they are, so you don't have to address it, but I, (laughs) but I, but I do wonder if anybody's ever asked you about that.
0: Yeah. No one's really asked me about that. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'd say if I were to like boil it down into a a, um, concise thing, is that I'm probably like a positive existentialist, where you know I I I believe in the golden rule, and I believe that everyone is responsible to be good to one another, and that um, just because it's my belief that this is the life we live, and that there's probably nothing afterwards, doesn't mean you can't treat. Um, everyone with the utmost respect and love and and kindness, you know. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not out of the uh, the bounds of something a Satanist might say, but I, uh, you know, I uh, I, I no, respect I mean, where you're yeah. coming from.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm down. I'm down with it all.
2: <laughs> something I we we talked a little bit about the the lyrical symbolism and stuff and. There's one song that I, I feel like I'm able to mostly kind of figure out what's going on. That's the song My Best Friend, which certainly seems like it's about your dog. Um, how many dogs do you have?
0: Two. And that one's about Herman. Um, yeah. Our, our, our other dachshund, he, uh, he, he came to our house. Let's see. Maybe early pandemic early pandemic and but we had been looking for another dog to adopt for a while so so it worked out it did it it did and um yeah what a what a cool you know thing to happen um especially when we have lots of time at home um and he's uh yeah he's hilarious what's his name herman Herman.
2: herman and what's the other one's name
0: And then there's Fanny.
2: Fanny, okay, okay.
0: So Herman and Fanny are like polar opposites, you know? Uh, Fanny is very emotional. She's a, she's very deep. Um, she's very reserved. And Herman is like wild man dog. Just like, he's a dog, you know? He gets into everything. He, he causes trouble. He constantly is causing trouble, but he is the sweetest Most loving guy. He's like a party animal. You know, he's (laughs) he he's had a little too much to drink at the party, but he's a good time. He's a little it's like you should go home pretty soon, but right now you're pretty good, man. You're pretty funny.
2: Did you um did you grow up with dogs?
0: I had a um I had a dog for a bit when I was a little kid and uh we had cat. We we had a cat, um, and my mom had a dog when I was like a little tiny baby, but my grandma had like 10 dogs. That's a lot of dogs. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Lots so, of dogs. So, so you grew up kind of around dogs, but, um, I mean, that's a, it's a great song. It's a great song about a dog. And, um, <laughs> and I mean, I mean it like it's, it's, it really, it made me think about, um, it made me think about how one of my dogs needs a new name tag because the name is like rubbed off. So uh you've inspired me to take some action in regarding, you know, pet and responsible pet ownership. But it's a really good, go. it, it's a really cool song. And that to me felt like again just like this sort of domestic zone of you in this in it's 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 cool because it just feels, I mean, this is weirdly like a, it's a very welcoming record in a lot of ways. Uh, I think even there's the song The Void, and that one is really cool to me because it ends up kind of sounding dizzying, but lyrically, it's like really positive. And I love that that's where you're going with that. A term that would mostly get, reserved for something scary and apocalyptic do you know what i mean
0: yeah sure yeah um you know that's the falling deep inside oneself yeah and then continuing the journey and having the conversation with yourself and um trying to get as deep as possible continue move move forward and hopefully have some realizations and you know all those things um that's cool. It sounds welcoming to you because it is. It is supposed to be, you know. Come inside, with me. Kind of a feeling. Um, yeah. Although that the dizzying thing that's cool. You picked up on that too. We called that song the um the like the bees song. Yeah. While we were working on it, because that I was like, I want it to sound like bees are around your head. So you're I, you're kind of like. One hundred percent. Yeah you know but then you accept it and you and or something you know there's a, a resolve with that feeling
2: yeah it's weird <laughs> like the it's it's weird especially listening with headphones the way the guitars kind of do like uh brain tickling you know what i mean <laughs> like uh which is again really cool that you've got these really high fuzzy little ornamental lines uh Which is great. Which is, it's, I mean, again, it's just, it's a really, it's a really cool record. And, and cruising back and like checking through the stuff that you've been up to, I, I, I feel like somehow I missed the Nilsson EP when it first came out, but I really enjoyed (laughs) listening to that one and started thinking about how you've occasionally taken on, you know, full album or full cover projects, you know, T Rex or things like that. And I wondered if, um, what happens to inspire that sort of like uh dedication to a single artist for a minute usually when 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 you do find yourself going down that rabbit hole or have found yourself how is that process started off
0: to make the, the to do like a, to do thing?
2: like a, to decide like yeah i'm going to do like all Nilsen or all t rex or you know yeah one artist
0: i mean it's it's a very difficult thing to do so but it's really fun. It's really challenging. So it kind of scratches an itch for me. Sure. That's kind of like a good exercise and a good way to, like, focus on rearranging, because I, I don't like doing just kind of, you know, paint by numbers covers. I, exactly. I, I want them to be unique and different from the original. So it's a good challenge. Um you know, I was just thinking. I kind of regret doing the um, T Rex one, just because I I love T Rex and I love Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it's this thing. Now I'm like, wow, dang! Now everyone thinks this thing I'm doing on the song is a T Rex thing, but it's it's not. But so in retrospect, I maybe wouldn't have done the T Rex covers, even though I'm a huge bull in head. But he's definitely not, you know, my favorite all time artist he, or anything. He's like
2: not that. like. Yeah, I mean, he's so also he, he's also the sum of his influences. You know what I mean? Like he's not sure. like a... I he. I feel like he's he's. I like Mark Bolin a lot. He's one of my favorites, for sure. But yeah, he's nicking other people's vibe too. You know. I mean, there's John Lennon things going on in his songs, and there's.
0: It's just it's just when you when you do the covers record, I've learned you have to. Uh, you're basically you know. Saying how much you are interested in this thing, which is great, but um,
2: but then you have people sort of you you grow uh, unfairly lumping you in, and then yeah, tying everything you're doing to that one thing for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like when I was 25, you know, I was Electric Warrior was my record, um, or like those early Tyrannosaurus Rex records. Yeah. But now, you know, I've I've moved tracks. on doesn't, I'm just doesn't, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that, you know, I don't love them. Um, yeah. You know, but that's no, I, cool.
2: I mean, I think it's, it's, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying and I feel like that's like one of the sort of,
0: uh, it's my fault. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. I was going
2: to say it's it's like, it's record. It's like, you know, rock critic thing too. You know what I mean? Where it's like, with Aquarium Drunkard, we we do our year-end list and we do this big, massive thing. And it's like, very often I realize, like, I'm, I'm saying this sounds like this and this, you know? And it's like, it feels reductive in some ways, right? Or it feels maybe dismissive. And then it's also like, yeah, but you want to give people some idea of what it sounds like. And so you oh, wander yeah. into this zone of, yeah, you don't want to be reductive. At least I don't want to, you know?
0: Well, that's how people talk about music. You know, that's how I talk about music, so... But um Sure. But yeah This
2: meets and, this, yeah.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So that's and and I am a Mark Bullone head, you know. But it is the lesson I've learned of like, you know, you really gotta own it if you're I gonna mean, do it.
2: <laughs> and 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 now you're saying so people are just going to hopefully just keep saying that your records are as brilliant as Harry Nilsson. So I mean, (laughs) nothing to worry about. No, no, no. Or or you sing just as great as Harry, you know? Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Let's hope. That's why I did it. That's why I covered (laughs) Nilsson.
2: There you go. Well, uh, Ty, it's been really great hanging out and chatting about this fantastic record. Three Bells is, is, has been a lot of fun to spend listening Uh, hours with, and you know, your music has been a real source of joy for very many years, especially big, uh, goodbye bread fan over here. Uh, Oh, cool, love the white fence collaborations, and um, awesome. And us long time fans at Aquarium Drunkard really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us.
0: Well, thank you. It's a nice, great, great conversation. Thank you very much for having me.
2: Ty Siegel here on Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Thanks so much for spending time with us here on the podcast. We know how many listening options you are presented with. So the fact that you are listening to me say this thanks right now uh, means so much. Truly, uh, we're honored to have you carve out the space for us. I am Jason P. Woodbury. I produce, write, and host the show. Transmissions is edited by Andrew Horton and our music comes from Frank Maston. You can find a whole bunch more of it by visiting maston.bandcamp.com. Art for this episode was created by Ian Everett, and our executive producer is Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard's founder. Don't miss his weekly radio program, The Aquarium Drunkard Show, on Sirius XMU, channel 35, 7 p.m. Pacific time, each and every Wednesday night. You heard from Jennifer Kelly in the intro, and she is just one of the uh, bunch of writers who contribute to Aquarium Drunkard. We're publishing reviews, mixtapes, interviews, uh, playlists, lanyap sessions, Aquarium Drunkard picture show, all sorts of stuff daily. So if you want to support the site, there's an easy way to do it. Go hit up the Patreon. Transmissions is part of the Talkhouse Podcast Network. And I highly recommend you visit the talk house for more interviews, fascinating reads and podcasts next week on transmissions. I am thrilled to say that we're going to have the dub legend scientist in, in the, uh, crew rapping with us, uh, sharing some of his knowledge. It was a really tremendous interview and I hope you will come back and check it out. In the meantime, be well, this transmission is concluded.